Have you thought any more about the play? What is there to think about? Just that you were so excited about it this morning, and then we got there. It sucked, yeah. Shit happens like this sometimes. So maybe you need to spend another week workshopping it. I can't explain basic truths to him. It's too draining. Okay, but I don't care why you won't let him do it with a different actor. Because my name's on it. Okay, so that's good. That's a writing credit. I would rather do nothing for the rest of my life than have my name attached to something mediocre. Your integrity is all that matters. It's a stupid play. Not a stupid play. It's really good. When I was watching it, I was so excited because it was so, so good. All that fake shit Gavin was doing. I don't know. I wasn't watching Gavin. I was watching you. Do you know how unusual it is to see someone doing something like that? Like what you were doing, okay? That's so open and honest and weird and you're not making fun of them in your mind. It made me want to go and meet you when you were 15 and kiss you. Hello and welcome back to The Girls Girls, a recap podcast every week discussing HBO's Girls. I'm your host, Rourke, back with Sarah Beth. Sarah Beth, we watched episode eight. What did you think? I like this episode. I thought it was an interesting turn for a lot of characters. And we finally get to see Hannah in, I guess it's functioning for her, but it's a relationship. Yeah, there's a lot of weirdness. This this episode made me feel weird. <laughs> there was a lot of weirdness, not <laughs> least of which was the one man show <laughs> from yeah. Adams. Paled in comparison, honestly. But I guess then it's aptly named. Episode eight is called Weirdos Need Girlfriends 2. And how how would you describe it? Okay, my synopsis would be Marnie is upset that roles are reversed with Hannah, but find surprising comfort in a evening out with Jessa. Very good. Mm-hmm. I would say Marnie spirals about her ex's <laughs> new relationship, causing her to behave in uncharacteristic ways while Hannah and Adam play house. Yeah, I think that's good. That's better. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. The Max description is Hannah ventures further into Adam's world for better and for worse. Ominous. Newly unemployed Jessa and Marnie at an all-time low. (laughs) (laughs) And an all-time low. Bond unexpectedly and meet a very eligible bachelor who is not what he seems. This is a... That's a crazy it's that that's a little trolly i think but yeah that i'm sorry that man is not a very eligible bachelor i feel like that's what gen z would write if they were cosplaying as a lowly millennial corporate worker yeah yeah <laughs> we should have we should see if like chat gpt can write these that'd be funny oh anyway. yeah so no shoshana this episode I know. I miss my girl. I know. After giving her kind of this big coming out party episode, they really are just like, you can take a rest. <laughs> you're you're having a come down from crack. You cannot be in this episode. She does need to rest from her crack accident. Yeah. So we really only have, I think, kind of an A plot and a B plot here. We have Hannah and Adam's story, and then we have the Marnie Jessa story. Mm-hmm. I think something that Lena Dunham does well in this series is setting up contrasts in the characters. Mm. And so you have the, the opening scene is like what's happening in Hannah's room. And then what's happening in Marnie's room, Mm -hmm. the same way we've had their sex lives juxtaposed in the past where, you know, it's her sex with Adam versus Marnie's sex with Charlie. Like it, it is that, so she seems to like that kind of trope. So her and Adam are having kind of, you know, Early couple honeymoon phase stuff where they're eating peanut butter out of a jar, seemingly, which I love that peanut butter company, by the way. Oh, I've never seen that peanut butter before. Oh, my God. It was like a shop in the West Village that was so good. And they had different type. They had like the one I think is the show is like cinnamon swirl. But they also had like a like a chocolate peanut butter. And like they just like had a bunch of different varieties as well as just normal peanut butter, almond butter, whatever. But it was excellent. Ooh. Yeah, I um, I've been really into eating more like natural style peanut butter, but I do love like some chunky or, you know, chunky Skippy. 
Totally. Which is like probably the worst thing for you because of all those hydrogenated oils. But nothing is as like nothing compares. I think. Yeah, it hits different. Yeah. And yeah, so they're like watching home movies and being cute. Mm-hmm. If that's your version of cute. No. Ju- also you know? like a film home movie like in 2012 was Very like. Hipster. Yeah. So hipster. And he just casually has that like real like eight millimeter reels of himself. Or whatever it was. Yeah, the likelihood of that seems absurd. I would like to know more about... I mean, we do meet his... He's, there's a moment where he's on the phone with his sister in this episode. We do, She becomes a character. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see about that. But we'll get some more insight into his family life a little bit, I think. But I would love to understand his childhood more. I mean, we get a window of that in that tech rehearsal. It's just called tech. Yeah, but- of course. Of course. <laughs> Don't fuck that. I got to give you credit, because if you remember in the premiere where I was like, no way would Marty ever kiss a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong. I did not remember that they had like a little makeout sesh, but I feel like if if I met Marty IRL, I would be like, you are way too I am straight no ambiguity on the spectrum, totally binary. And I'm like, mm, it's a little too, too much. I think yeah. me thinks could be another option. You, you nailed it, man. I got to give all the credit. That was okay. well, well played. So Marnie is doing, I think what all women have done in their lives where they're stock face their social media stalking their ex. This happens of course. to be a Facebook centric classic as it should be in 2012. And do you remember when you would make the, did you ever make those like huge albums where you like yes. tagged everybody and painstakingly oh. captioned things? And like every photo, like there was no editing. I don't know what was, we were totally unhinged. I don't know what fever dream that was that we thought that that made sense. It was crazy. And then you would really, you would look through people's like 75 photo albums. And they were done on like digital cameras. So you had to, I remember waking up in college the night after a party and I was always the one taking photos because I was probably the least like in like <laughs> alcoholic of, of the people I was hanging with. But I would upload all these photos and it took a lot of time because you had to load them from your from my digital camera. And then I would just put them all up. I think I've since gone back and like cut that out. Cause I'm like, there's way too much on here. It's, it's just too much stuff out there. I'm just cutting it. Also the photos are like early Instagram filter photos that they're looking at heavy filters. Yes. Very, very heavy. And, um, which I believe there was at the, or, oh God, because I mean, Facebook didn't buy Instagram until a lot later, but I believe there was the ability to like cross post, right? Or was that a later functionality and they were probably screenshotting? I don't know why this matters. They but, might have already bought them at that point because they did buy them. They were acquired pretty early on mm-hmm. and people were definitely using Instagram at that time. It just wasn't at the like fever pitch it is now. Oh, for sure. Like if you scroll all the way back in my feed, it's pictures from my internship in New York. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it definitely goes back that far. Like a lot of like, uh, like what's it called where the edges are dark? What's that filter called? Yeah, 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 yeah. Shit. What is it called? Um, there's a, if you look at baby names, there's like a surge in the Instagram filter names for people that were having kids at that time. Oh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) embarrassing. Yeah. Sutro was a big one. Oh, I forgot about that one. Mayfair, Amaro, Willow. Amaro I liked. I used Amaro a lot. Yeah. Oh, so good. Aiden, Ludwig, Perpetua. I liked Perpetua. (laughs) Perpetua. (laughs) People don't even know now, like as they're taking photos, that it was just so heavily filtered. Everything. You thought it looked cool. Yeah. And it was heinous. Well, that's like, did you ever pay for? And I actually had to be reminded of this. My friend that I traveled with in June reminded me. Remember when you could buy ringtones for like a Nokia? Uh-huh. But it wasn't even the music yet. It was like the atonal beeps that yeah. were trying to make the music. Yeah. Holy shit. She had like a Nelly song that was like beep, 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 
beep, beep, beep, beep, beep. It was like so bad. I was like, that is an insane approximation of hot in her. Like, this is insane. Granted, I wouldn't really want like. And now, of course, if my phone makes a noise, I'm like, what the fuck? Like the idea oh. of a popular song popping out of that phone, I would kill myself. Well, I, it, my phone is always on silent because hey. I need to screen every communication. Oh, yeah. No, I keep it. I don't even have it on vibrate. Full silence. It's always a problem when you lose your phone, though. You're like, fuck, why isn't there any indicator of where this is? Yeah, it's not great. Anyway, she's looking through this album and we'll continue to look at it throughout the rest of the episode at various points. (laughs) And, you know, it's such a great example of like something we truly like so, so something we have all done. And yet you are able to look at it and be like, girl, you are like the best revenge is living well. You've got to just not do this i do think there is an acceptable period of like wallowing but she's already past this like this is just her being totally jealous that he's able to move on and that their dynamics were not aligned with her perception of them yes exactly and i think there's a profound jealousy too Mm. of like the fact that they're in rome together that it's always fucking italy you know it's always Italy. Yeah, 100%. But, you know, it's not a it's not a downgrade. It's funny. I actually have a friend who is really toxic about men, yet she says some things where I'm like, that's an interesting way of framing it such Mm. that that's kind of healthy. Like it comes back around. It's so psychotic. It's so psychotic. It's turned it's orbited the earth back into a healthy zone. Exactly. (laughs) Her stance is that she actually prefers a guy that she is previously dated to be dating someone like way better than her like prettier more success like whatever because then if they downgrade she's like well why the fuck did you break up with me like that's a crazy thing to do you like why i see what you mean in a weird way it's like sort of logical yes and adjusted yes (laughs) where if he's like with someone better she's like i have to respect it that was an upgrade (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, let's be honest, though. Like, the true healthy and well-adjusted response is always, it didn't work out, and there's someone for everyone. True. Yes, of course. That is, yes. But dating is also feels like a zero-sum game, too. So, I understand. Yeah. So, so not only is she going through this, she has to hear Adam and Hannah having horrific dirty talk. It's gross. Yeah. Moving on. So the table to your, you've already said this, the tables have turned. Mm. Um, They're in polar opposite situations now as to when the show started in terms of their romantic prowess. And Marnie is explaining the relationship to Adam. And what did you think of Adam's response here? That Marnie says, I'm just now coming to grips with the fact that we're not going to end up with each other. And Hannah's like, come on, you didn't think you were going to end up together. Mm -hmm. And Adam says, you know, don't minimize her feelings. This is really hard. And like gives an insane kind of personal anecdote. But what did you think of that response? He's unhinged, but he does have a lot of empathy. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. He, I thought nailed this. He is a hundred percent unhinged though. Like that was a crazy example that he came back with, but you know, he does have more empathy, but Hannah also knows her better. So Hannah's able to cut through a lot more of her bullshit. But yes. yeah. So then Marnie keeps looking at more photos and Jessa arrives. And Jessa says something very relatable. Oh, her yeah. Her thighs are rubbing together and she wishes she had a wheelchair for June and July. I would like to push that actually to August and September. <laughs> that at this point with the state of the world and the climate, it needs to be for a good six months of the year in New yeah. York. But I totally know what she means. That yes. Is so accurate. There's a reason I um when I was commuting and people used to make fun of me at work for this because I'd wear dresses, but I'd have these like spandex shorts that oh, often this. Yeah, it went to my knees and sometimes they peek out and they'd be like, why are you wearing Under Armour shorts? And I was like, first of all, I don't want any skin touching the New York subway. And then secondly, it prevents that like thigh rub, the what chub rub or yeah whatever they call it yeah there's some really good products now that i like a lot the company is called i don't know why i was spacing on it the company is called mega babe oh i've never heard of it oh i'm surprised it's like very like very cute design and um yeah it's called thigh rescue it's an anti-friction stick 
and you like rub it between your thighs. It's fucking amazing. Um, there's some, they make something called bust dust for like, ant, like under boob sweat. Oh, I definitely need that. TMI. Sorry. Oh, Sorry. No, truly, all 30 people who listen. Truly. That is no, no, that's like a big one for me. Um, and then they also just make like a general body dust, which I love for, um, I use it after I fake tan because it oh. makes the fake tan not sticky. So many uses. Anyway, Mega Babe, great products. Kate Sturbino is her name. I do think, though, we're in a fashion era where because we always wear leggings. I haven't had this issue in a long time, probably since my early 20s when I used to wear like skirts and stuff without See, anything. I have to wear like skirt and dress suits and stuff. Oh, I would still wear. I still go strong with my Under Armour mini shorts. <laughs> I don't like like I don't want like there to be a line. Okay, wait, we're so far afield. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Refocus. Yeah. <laughs> Jessa has arrived to be consoled by Hannah. Hannah's not there. And Jessa and Marnie sort of start this little bonding trip by kind of shitting on Hannah and saying that she's flaky. She's always been flaky. She's especially flaky now, but she has always been. And then this, I think, was a really, I think this was a very insightful line. And I have someone in my life that does this and it makes me absolutely insane. Where when you call her out on being flaky, she then apologizes for it like you're going to shoot her. <laughs> I know. So I, I have someone that is incredibly flaky and is always like, she will be an hour late to a brunch, like a one-on-one brunch. Where I'm always like... It would be acceptable to leave. And she then, by the time she gets there, is almost in tears, so apologetic. But then the person is so upset, you can it makes it so that you can no longer kind of be frustrated because their emotional reaction is so outsized. This is incredibly irritating. Because then you become the villain for being pissed at someone who's already beating themselves up. Right. So then you are obligated to be like, it's fine. I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yes, I'm sure the dog was like doing something really difficult. Like, you know, like what, like whatever the excuse <laughs> is. Yeah. And um, like, she's just horrible at time management to the point where I've told my friends, like, we need to lie. Like, this is outrageous. Anyway. Maybe she has time blindness. You've got to stop pushing that because <laughs> it's not, it's an offensive thing. <laughs> I I agree, though. I really hate it when um, I used to be very like stringent about time. I'd always be early to stuff. And I got really I was very rigid into a point where I think it wasn't really helpful, like in life. And I've tried to relax that a little bit. But I do get very anxious when I don't have like if I'm not early to stuff, like if I'm late, I get very anxious about that. Oh, no, I get really I have a lot. I get a lot of like kind of like stomach like anxiety, like that's where I yes. feel all my anxiety. And I just feel it kind of like roiling when I'm yeah. like running late to something. So yeah, they continue to sort of make comments about how Hannah takes care of herself. She leaves her forehead shiny. It was catty. just sort of catty and mean. Yeah. Jessa tells Marnie she looks really gorgeous and that her being completely miserable is totally working. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. I think Marnie looks good. It's the, it, You can't really get this actor to look bad like she looks good yeah even when she's in crisis they're i mean they're both beautiful girls so marnie pulls jessa into the facebook stalking Mm -hmm. because we always need a friend to confirm that our emotions are valid and jessa lets her know she's got nothing on her gives her a pep talk and in a very good like Summing up an entire kind of relationship or character in one line, I think is done really well here. You've known me for six years, but my name for three is fantastic. (laughs) I liked Jess as a little bit like, if you don't know how much I care about you, then that's a failing on my part. Yes. Like. Totally. I do think notwithstanding the cattiness of insulting hannah to build camaraderie i do think jessa was being like a supportive person to marnie that she doesn't really need to do right now totally agreed and i think that the things she said to her are genuine because i do think jessa is an authentic person and you know she says to her and these are not things and like she is willing to agree with Marnie that like she is still uptight, but she is also, you know, like the, I like the kind of specificity of I really admire your work ethic and commitment to hygiene. 
And um, it's like on Watch What Happens Live when Andy Cohen asks like feuding housewives, like say like three nice things about the other one. And it's like, she always has a manicure. It's like, okay, that, I don't know that that was an, okay, can you come up with another one? Really, really scraping the barrel exactly. at this point. So, so then Marnie talks about what it's like to be in her head and, and to live as such an uptight person and say that she just wants to let go. And this is actually a moment where I saw myself and Marnie, where I sometimes, you know, like I, I talk a lot about kind of faux envy for Jessa, mm-hmm. where I sort of wish I could just say like, F it. I like wish I wasn't me and the person in my head and could be somebody else who lives a different way mm. and, you know, doesn't feel responsible to X, Y, or Z and, you know, to the constraints of like being really early to something and like can be late and just be okay with it. Like all of those things, like it is exhausting. Have you ever like followed through on that in your life? Like you've j- just decided. Okay. I mean, in some ways, yeah. So, like, for example, actually, like, I have a friend who she stopped consuming any type of, like, non-basic, like, kind of human interest news media because she was like, I'm an anxious person. I receive, like, I'm a medicated person for my anxiety. I am more anxious than an average person. And this makes me feel like shit. And, like, sure, come at me for being uninformed or, like, not staying up on the times of the day. But, like... I got to fucking live day to day. And that means Mm. not looking at this stuff. And so, you know, like I do think so like that's an example of someone who's just said like, I'm I will be happier in my head if I don't do this. And something that has helped me a lot is especially when like things, even when I do my best to like be on time or whatever, and then something like life does happen. Something happens where I'm going to be late. Somebody like I heard somebody on a podcast say, Just tell yourself, like, okay, my expectation of myself is no longer that I'm going to be on time. My expectation is now that I'm going to be 20 minutes late. Mm. And if you just sort of modify, like, your expectation of yourself, you can make yourself feel a little better. That's, like, a very kind of therapized, like, thing to say. Mm. But that does help a lot. And then my true, like, I mean, I've brought up this example before. My true, like, effort thing was Survivor, where I was like, yeah, I'm going to do something that, like isn't helpful to any kind of long-term goal. And it has turned out to be, I think, but not directly. You have a built-in icebreaker fact about yourself. Truly. The thing is, I don't even like to use it, though, because, like, it really does, like, derail the conversation. Yes. And it puts me in the center of attention in a way that I don't like, where I'm like, Mm. it's like, I didn't, I don't want to make this about me. Yeah. But. Makes sense. Yeah. But no, it's it's a useful little icebreaker. Have you ever said F it? I've wanted to, but I also know myself enough that I think I want to let go and be a different person. I can't handle it. Like, Mm. I have too much anxiety. I have too much, uh, like, I like being in control. I like having a plan that I've instituted and I won't enjoy it if it's not my plan. So I've just stopped pretending. Yeah, that's fair. And I've learned that, too, where it's like. I sometimes get like in my feels about like, oh, like my friends don't plan as much as I do. But then like, I always like it better when I do the plan because yeah. I like the plan and what we do. <laughs> I know there are certain things I've let go on. Like I don't have to plan every, I have a very, I feel very lucky. All my friends, I feel like are great friends and we all put in like a lot of effort into the friendship. I don't ever feel like it's one sided. So I've let go on like being a total control freak of always being the one who's like planning the dinner or whatever. So I've let that go. Mm -hmm. But like things with my husband, like he has a lot of strengths. Planning is not one of them. And if I am waiting for him to plan like a weekend getaway, well, we're never going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, so if I want it to happen, I'm going to do it. He's good at planning other stuff, but like that kind of stuff he's not good at. So if I want, if it's important for me, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. That makes total sense. Well, I'm, thank you for, and that's the thing. I can totally relinquish when I trust the person. Like you've planned our full Napa weekend and I'm fucking excited to show up. Oh yeah. It'll be good. I, um, I have to rein in because I'm a traveler and not a vacationer. That means. What do you think the difference is? A traveler crams in so much stuff oh, into an itinerary. Yeah, I can't help it. I really had to like rein it in because I've done that on a Napa trip and it 
was too much and it was just like not enjoyable. I'm proud of you. Because we can be leisurely. We can be leisurely at these events. Like we don't have to rush places. It's okay. I know. But my thing is like, I I feel like we could do more, but I really had to like rein it in. Yeah. Good. Good decision. <laughs> okay. So anyway, they end up, um, so Jessa and Marnie end up going to a bar. They're having martinis. They're talking about losing their virginity. And Chris O'Dowd of Bridesmaids fame sends them drinks. Mm. Marnie thinks he's a hottie. Jessa's like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) But meanwhile, Jessa was like into it when it was that old guy. Yeah, because I think she has like this desire for like, she has a very, you know, we've talked about her kind of version of internal logic and she has a distinct. And I think something that I envy about her that I definitely like, I'm not cool. I think she has a pretty innate sense of like, oh, that's that's cool. Or like, this is uncool. And mm. she can she can just sort of feel that radiating off someone. And he is not cool. And I do think she thinks there's something cool and quirky about like a 75 year old man sending you martinis like. I, I think she's onto something because I do think that that's true to an extent, although both are creepy, I think. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I feel like it's creepy if a dude is alone at a bar and he's sending drinks to two like 20 something girls who are together. Like, it's not like it's someone alone and you're shooting your shot. Like, yes. it's weird to me. Yeah. Well, I think what happened, what his, he probably was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, Aim for both of them and like see which one I like better. He obviously was more into Marnie. Um, well, sort of, except he was like putting the physical moves on Jessa at his apartment. It was both of them, wasn't it? He was like touching Jessa's stomach, which if men, not that any men oh, are yeah. really listening, there's like five people on this, you know, on our metrics, but you, a way to like really get a woman into the mo- like mood for something is not to massage their stomach. That is a no-go zone. Yeah, 100% agreed. Even if the stomach is flat, it's not a good place to go. No, it's not sexy. It's not. No, no. Yeah, so he comes over, calls Jessa, Jenna, and yeah, just it's gross. I'm sure it's happened to you a lot of people messing up your name. Me? Oh, I mean, yeah, all the time. I've had some egregious typos recently at work where I'm like, my name is right there. Whatever. That is the worst. Like, it's in the email. It's in the signature. Like, just look. The guy says, I live a block away. I just moved here. I don't know anyone. And Jess is really not having it. I do. I did think her line was pretty slick. The um, thanks for picking up the check. I thought that was like a clever way to say, like, you'll be paying for this. I liked that. Yeah. And then she says his face looks like a cereal box. (laughs) There's some really, they're good, like, analogies in this show. I think that's something that they do really well. It's funny. Jessa is like firing on all cylinders in this whole interaction with him at the bar and then also at his apartment. Yes, very. And, and she has good instincts. Marty does not. No, Marty is somebody who gets taken. Yeah. Yeah. I think that she, because I think there is something kind of inherently cool about her, she knows how to push buttons of people's insecurities about things that they think are uncool. Like her calling them mash ins intentionally for sure is like very upsetting to him. Yeah. It's minimizing his hobby, mm-hmm. which is comical. Anyway. Also, do you remember that those mashups that were such a hit in the early, in the late two thousands where it was like every, where they got made at the new year and it was called The State of Pop. I, I'm going to sound like really bougie, but I only ever listen to mashups like in the context of going to like a spin class and they had like their weird like proprietary playlist. OK, this was a de- like this. I think you will remember this. Um, this was a DJ. Ugh. Is it like girl talk stuff? I remember that was very popular around this time. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that was like actually good. Oh, yeah. OK, wait. DJ Earworm. Was his name? No, I have no idea what that is. Yes, you do. Hold. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. I wonder if they don't let it on um, Spotify. Oh, for sure, Spotify. You have to go to SoundCloud for that yeah. bullshit. Oh, 
electronic This is so bad. <laughs> so like that's a real mashup, right? Where like they're putting he's putting together I think like all of the number one like Billboard hits from every like month or like oh. something of the year cuz like he did them um he did them as like a New Year's thing. That was oh, 2009 God. going into 2010. And I just remember those like being the shit. I have no memory of this. I, you know, I I think I'm pretty like pop culture savvy, but whenever we talk, I'm like, I know nothing and I'm a loser. No, I think you have like, I had, like a sick knowledge for like very like top 40. Whereas I think you are, you, you have a much more intellectual sense of pop culture. I don't think so. Anyway, every time you're, you you reference something, I'm always like, I'm like, I have to Google that later. I don't know what that is. <laughs> no, my mind is like a, um, you know, like that the inside out where it's like all of the dusty marbles just like piled up in the trash. <laughs> That's my brain. <laughs> I feel like my brain is dusty marbles. That's a good uh... vision for that. So yeah, so Marnie comes out of the they get they get to the one of those kind of, you know, like Brooklyn Williamsburg. And this was when those were going up. Um, yeah, the gentrified luxury condos. Yeah, right on the waterfront in Williamsburg. And Marnie goes to the bathroom and when she comes out, Jessa looks horrified and lets her know that he's started spinning. And <laughs> um he says it's his hobby and then reveals that it's actually just two songs playing simultaneously on open itunes windows so like it's really not a matchup at all it's like the worst version of someone of a dj yeah i have a question for you Mm -hmm. in an alternate universe where you are being entertained by a gentleman in his apartment would you rather have him start djing his own remixes or serenade you with a guitar and he's not that good at it. That's really hard. Yeah. I almost think I would go with DJ because that's like a little bit less of his own organic creation. Uh-huh. So it would be okay if it wasn't good because I'd be like, oh, maybe like just that song wasn't right. But like you totally have the right instincts, you know? But with if they are performing, it's like I don't even know what to point to. to like what could you compliment? Like you have great stage presence. And I feel like with a guitar, there's nowhere to hide. Whereas if they're like mixing, at least there's like a lot of noise. So you can like pretend to bop. Oh, true. I could like turn, I could like dance and like turn around. So yeah, like, you couldn't see instead my face. of like the weird, like, yeah, wow, so great, <laughs> great job. Yeah. It's like that meme with about young kids where it's like every kid to their parents, like, Mom, watch me do this kick jump. And it's like the same <laughs> kick jump. Like every kid knows the same kick jump. By the way, that's also what marriage is like. <laughs> Look at me. Look at me do this thing. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So then, yeah. So Jess is like very ready to leave and she just like lays down, which I think is like a great solution to get out of a situation. Mm-hmm. And Marnie lays down with her and he immediately sees like a window into a threesome of his dreams lays down with them and is kind of like touching one then touching the other. And then Jessa sits up and is like, we're getting the fuck out of here. Marnie kisses her, which clearly takes Jessa by surprise. But Jessa's like, all right, let's fucking do this. Yeah. I feel like Jessa's like, this surprises her in a good way. Like she's totally. like, oh, there's something else to Marnie. Interesting. Yeah. Um, good for them for bonding. Um, not my version of, you know, female friendship, but like go off. And they have like a full on makeout where Chris O'Dowd, I actually don't even, what is his character name? Honestly, do we know? I don't remember, but it doesn't matter. He's like corporate douchebag. So he's trying to like break in. Um, So he touches Jess's butt and she swats his hand away. He kind of like tries to like create like a three-way kiss and they push him away he touches marnie's boob and that <laughs> seems to sort of break it all up and yeah. um because marnie in like has a reaction to it such that she kicks over the wine glass onto a heinous ten thousand dollar rug he'd be better off without that rug yes but you know i get it it's like annoying like someone spilled a drink on your rug but guess what don't put the wine glass on the rug yeah yeah don't Try to start a threesome on your rug. 
He, it's like his operating and his like moves to make a move are like as if he watched how to like hook up with someone on a YouTube tutorial. And like yes. it's his like he's very awkward and thinks it's he, he's owed this sexual encounter, which is ridiculous. Absolutely. And he reveals that in his unhinged monologue. To be fair, I do think like them going to they're going to his apartment is sending like a weird mixed message. So I like get the frustration, but like no one owes you their body. So that's crazy. Of course. Yeah. What's strange about his monologue is that it is crazy. And I mean, this whole this scene is the obviously the cuckoo bananas moment of the episode. And yet there were like nuggets of truth in that monologue that if kind of considered thoughtfully and brought up in like a respectful way would be valid. I think where, Mm -hmm. um, you know, feelings of like privilege versus having to like come from nothing versus, you know, like whatever the case may be, like those are, those are interesting, valid things to talk about, but this is a, it's, it's kind of, you know, we keep bringing up incels on this podcast yeah it's reading incel it's giving incel where he's saying i had to work so hard and things don't come easily to me therefore i deserve this and he doesn't know them at all so who's to say i mean we know that they're full of shit and you know privilege but he doesn't necessarily know that correct he has that funny line of like that's not your cartilage no one has cartilage like that yeah (laughs) and jessa has the ultimate like mic drop exit line yes yeah they're laughing and he accuses them of laughing about spilling on the rug and she clarifies we're not laughing about your rug we're laughing about the mashins (laughs) (laughs) also like steal my sunshine with children playing in a playground it's kind of sick actually it's weird it's really weird and like the monkey noises throughout i don't know do you watch do you watch things with captions yeah okay um the the lines for the monkeys were the captains for the monkeys were wild (laughs) yeah so that's uh jessa and marnie their friendship is on the upswing now okay so just like taking a step back and looking at hannah and adam's relationship like what do you think I feel like there's a surprisingly swing in power dynamic where now that they're dating, it's like this is why Adam was trying to keep Hannah at a distance, because he knew as soon as they were exclusive that he would become very insecure and she would have all this power because I feel like that's what's happening. Like she she is the one who's like more artistically secure Mm -hmm. She has a point of view. She actually has a very healthy view of like her own work, I think, Um, in that like she believes in herself. And I think as an artist, you have to. He's dealing with a lot of insecurity. And he also is like prone to crazy outbursts and weird choices. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think of his like... I also so I genuinely wasn't sure what did Lena Dunham as not as Hannah, but Lena Dunham is the author of this show. What did she want the audience to think of Adam's play and of Hannah's reaction to it? Because I think Hannah's reaction was genuine. And like for a while, we don't quite know what she thinks because she just kind of leaves with him and they deal with his desire to quit before they address what she thinks of it. Mm -hmm. And just to like kind of jump to the end to some degree um she ends up saying do you know how unusual it is to see someone doing something like that so open and honest and weird and you're not making fun of them in your mind i think that's genuine i think she really believes it's that good are we supposed to think she's kind of love deluded are we supposed to think it's that good i'm so adverse to art like that like the kind of like vagina monologues one woman one man show thing that it really makes me curl up in on myself and so i have a hard time judging it objectively if at all i don't know what did you think i i'm probably more in your camp i think those kinds of shows can be really like indulgent and self-serving i do think at that time 
it was not, it was still a cliche, but now we've like gone past the point where it's just a farce if someone performs that kind of thing. I think it was still like a one man show. It had not become as like a joke, as much of a joke as it is today. Like, I feel like when La La Land has her do her like one woman show, that's the point at which like, okay, <laughs> I now think we're done. We're, we're done with the one woman show. But like at this time, like Mindy Kaling got her start by doing like a two person show with like her writing partner. And that's how she oh, got into right. like Hollywood writing. The parody of like Goodwill Hunting or something. Yeah. What was it? It was called um, Ben, Matt and Ben, Ben and Matt. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then um, also like the Phoebe Waller bridge had her one woman sh- like Fleabag was a one woman show that then became the TV show. I did not know that. Yeah. So I think like at this time, these were sort of popular. So I do think it's not as we, we, we're not as cynical about them then than we are now. Mm -hmm. That being said, I do think it's like taken to an extreme, like him talking about like, again, another jerking off thing with Adam. He's obsessed. Well, men are, I mean, I think throughout time, men are obsessed with their dicks and that's like what's driven like warfare and art and everything. (laughs) <laughs> have you asked your husband how much he thinks about the roman empire no because he won't think of it because he's not from here yeah well so do you know what we were talking about that at dinner last night and dinner it was three women and two men and we were saying how we were trying to find the female equivalent and for me i think to make it a true comparable needs to be historic it can't be just mm-hmm. like some random thing and I said, for me, it's the triangle shirtwaist fire. Yes, it is. I love that. That's my favorite tragedy. <laughs> no, it, it 100% is. And it's a very uniquely female like catastrophe. Yes. And then my friend Anna has said she was not at dinner, but she has told me before that hers is the Donner Party. My okay. friend Lexi had a different one, whatever. And my guy friend Jared commented, he was like, it's really interesting that the that the trope is men are thinking about like you know the roman empire the implied reason is some sort of feeling of masculinity and conquering and progress and like you know whatever and power yeah and power and all the women have thought of like crazy tragedies or like crimes against women or like how because i think there's a little bit of like women experience the world from a self-preservation perspective and men experience the world as like a conquering in power perspective that's really well said look at like true crime women are obsessed with true crime i love i mean i i'm trying to stay away from true crime because i think it's a little unhealthy because they're real people but i love watching like murder shows on like tv i'm i can fall asleep to a serial killer show like a criminal minds like i find it relaxing you're insane for that i yeah no true the crime is like not my speed i fall asleep to shark tank um <laughs> yen thinks i'm unhinged but i'm like i will love a murder show he always says like why do i like shows with like reaper protagonists and i was like what does that mean he's like they're like a reaper everywhere where they go people die and i'm like those are the best though <laughs> yeah no, that's insane um but yeah so adam has this horrible kind of wild monologue and it's a window to his brain it is and i I sort of get i do get the underlying message of it it's just so gross and weird um yeah which is him he then has a falling out with his creative partner that it sounds like might be repaired kind of on hand honestly on hannah's mature advice He's going to let, yeah, so he's going to let his scene partner do the play. He also has this, like, kind of explosive interaction with a driver as the car kind of comes close to hitting them in the crosswalk. I'm walking here. Yeah, very. I think I would have been pretty uncomfortable if a man I was with had reacted that way. Yeah, because it's it's very violent, even though, like, like, I've almost been hit by a car turning. It's scary, Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, it's just an outsized reaction that would make me uncomfy and then let's talk about the shower scene that was so funny so they get home she turns down his kind of sexual advance seemingly for the first time that we've seen and she gets she says she's gonna shower and 
in the process of sort of like washing her face or her hair, she's kind of like closing her eyes and rubbing them. And then when she opens them, he's there and she screams. And I really liked that. Like, I thought that was very funny. It was so funny. But also, like, we are all Hannah in that. Like, I would have shrieked. Totally. I would have been really annoyed when he put conditioner on me. Yeah. I get really weird about kind of products and beauty routine stuff where it drives my mom crazy. For example, like I don't let I like I don't let people touch my face because I'm like worried about their oils like getting on my face and it makes my mom nuts. And so, yeah, I would just like hate that. Like I would hate this where it's like if I told somebody, no, I don't want that product on my hair. And then they go like smush. I would have been so annoyed. Yeah. And also like showering with someone is not fun. I like showering with someone. It's not, it like feels intimate. Like it feels very like I, it, this is actually weird. I, somebody um, said it on a dating show when they were talking about, it wasn't like red flag. It was sort of red flag, green flag type stuff. But it was like, yes or yuck or something. Mm-hmm. And they were sort of newlywed game answering like what they thought about the partner. And um, one of them was like popping each other's pimples. And this girl said like, thumbs up to that and she was like because she was like that's like incredibly like it's like ape-like to like take knits like off of your partner or like clean them or whatever and so like i do think there is something like very like primal about like bathing together bathing together like yeah anyway the then he pees on her yeah (laughs) (laughs) this is where i i would not support the co-shower any longer the degree to which she is willing to be degraded sexually and yet her react like her reaction to this did not make sense to me in relation to how else she's willing to interact with him. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, yeah, it's weird and gross. And also it pee is not sterile once it's out of your body. Mm-hmm. Let's be clear. Like it's anyway, that's ridiculous. But I, I feel it's believable for him to choose to do this gross thing and to think she would be fine with it. I don't think he thought of it as a sex sex act, to be clear. I think he thought it was, like, funny that he had to use, like, pee while in the shower and she was in the way. Like, mm-hmm. I, I didn't get the impression it was a foreplay move. Maybe I was reading no. it wrong. But, uh, it's not like John Slatter from Sex in the City when the comp he pees on Carrie. Yeah. And um, I will say in a very funny line, he says, well, don't get out now. You have pee on you. <laughs> It's true. It doesn't make sense. Um, I did enjoy that. But yeah, so I thought her freak out was a little bit odd. I think that it's interesting. I actually almost think that they both like him acting out against the car and then her kind of freaking out about this are both externalizations of like other things they're feeling and Mm. kind of projecting onto like, oh, here's my opportunity to like yell at you a bit because I'm feeling frustrated about like something else and like here's right. a, like, here's an open door and then he does this strange kind of art project apology which is right up her alley because yes. she loves it yeah it's very them and i don't really think it's particularly healthy but like i don't oh, know totally not i don't know that's crazy to go out in the middle of the night and do some sort of performance art of like a subpar banksy like yeah. think, uh sorry 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 yeah, where his intention is both to apologize to her and that that driver will see it. I, it's mostly to apologize. Yes, but mostly to apologize to her. I think it ended in a nice way because it's sort of like he acknowledges that she's right about his art. He's going to, you know, reconcile with the yo-yo-yo guy. Um, <laughs> um, Who's invested $2,000 into this hot mess where that money is. It, it, that must just be like on space rental for a, a period of time. It has to be. Because yeah. th- that money's nowhere on stage. No. <laughs> yeah, I thought it, it brought them back to the moment when they were sharing the ice cream, right? Because it was like after mm. the tech rehearsal and the ice um, and that bit. Oh, God. It I sort of derailed. really funny running scene. That would have been me 100%. Oh. Yes. Although I do think like i felt two ways about it it's more of his like sort of fat phobia thing with her and i i didn't feel good about that but she's sort of like it's different if she really wants to go running and if that's the case he's being really supportive and running with her i think that that's really nice Mm -hmm. but if he's pushing her to run and she doesn't want to do it it feels weird to me agreed i think it depends on that but i did like her very like childish protest of sitting on the ground and throwing her shoes (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. And he has to like carry her shoes down. I do think it's really disgusting to share ice cream, especially in a cone. That was sick. Yeah. I don't like that. No. And yet, like, in theory, like, I'm fine with them kissing. And that is equally, that's the same germ swap. I feel like once dairy is involved, it gets weirder. Yeah, he's annoying about food in a way that would irk me. He has an eating disorder. Yeah, he does. That's fair. All right. Well, this was, I don't know. This wasn't my favorite episode, but it had some fun moments and some decent character development. I would agree. I, I maybe it's just because like I think like we don't know enough about Adam and yet he's like further revealing himself and it's like puts you a little off kilter, right? Like yes. these these character revelations don't really put you at ease and that's purposeful. That's a re- yes, I think that's a really good point that like because I can't kind of put my finger on how I'm supposed to feel, it like makes me uncomfy. Mm. Well, we only have two episodes left in season one. Episodes nine and ten. Time flies. I know. And I'm a big believer in, I have a personal theory that penultimate episodes are better than finales. I really love a second to last episode for some reason. I think it's sort of, they tend to just like build, they set, they get to like set everything up. And then often kind of the knocking of the pins down never feels as good as you want it to. And so I, re- I like, I'm, I'm excited for episode nine. I genuinely don't remember what happens. It's called leave me alone, which is interesting. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I have, I have high hopes just because of my own personal theory about, about episode nine. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it too. I think the, what I've, what I, I took like a writing class for fun in grad Ooh. school. And I like remember Marnie, some huh? Middle Eastern studies. <laughs> yes. I took it for fun and something I learned about it because we were looking at like the TV structure was that often the way things end in TV wants you to immediately consume the next episode. It's to hook you. But if you want emotional fulfillment on a major storyline of the episode or the season, often it comes like three quarters of the way through or like before that finale. Mm. So that's probably why you like it because there's a lot more like emotional satisfaction in that penultimate episode. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I like that. So if you ever are in the middle of like a binge and want to like stop it for self-preservation, stop your episode like three quarters of the way through when that B or C storyline is concluded. Mm. Smart. And then leave like the last like 15 minutes for when you're ready to like take the binge further. That's really clever. I don't know if that's true. I'm repeating things I learned, but it's not like based in science. (laughs) I mean, none of that is. It's the charts. You're done for. (laughs) Well, very good. I'll see you next week for episode nine. All right. See you soon.